Welcome to the Sisters in Service podcast. My name is Kat Corchado. I'm a fellow Air Force veteran who, after 20 years of active duty, struggled with transition after leaving service. The Sisters in Service podcast is a platform to include all women veterans, organizations, military spouses, and Blue Star Gold Star families in talking about the trials and triumphs we face while in service and after service. I want to take a moment to thank all of you who have taken the time to listen and follow me on my journey. My podcast is every Tuesday, and I hope you will tune in. Until then, please be safe, take care of each other, and until next time. Welcome to another episode of Sisters in Service. This is the VSO Spotlight with Jane Babcock, who I call the walking Wikipedia of veteran um, services. And we're going to be talking about something a little unique today. And we are going to be speaking about dementia um, for Service Connected, how there are different types or how it can be connected to something um, other than just dementia as it, like Parkinson's, and what's available to the caretaker of the combat veteran with dementia. So welcome back, Jane Backpock. <laughs> Jane, good grief. Welcome back, Jane Babcock. Hi, Jane. Hello. How are you, Kat? I don't know. Obviously, I, I can't speak. I'm tripping over my tongue. So, my grandmother used to say your tongue got in the way of your eye teeth and you couldn't see what you were saying. Right? Oh, I hate when that happens. So for my audience, we were talking, um, I had heard a story from someone who was talking about um, a relation of hers who was fairly young, and I want to say late 30s, early 40s, who was taking care of her father, who was a combat veteran, but also suffered from dementia. So we're going to kind of go at it from two different aspects. What's available to the combat veteran with dementia, but then what's also available to the caregiver. So Jane, let's start off with the combat veteran. So if the caretaker or a family member feels as though there's something wrong and they're not sure, they don't know it's dementia, they're not sure, what kind of signs should they be looking out for? Well, unfortunately, it can be things like just extreme changes in mood. Um or long-term changes, you know, the guy that's very gentle spoken and easy to get along with and stuff. And then he starts getting more and more aggravated. He starts swearing unusually, um, just is becomes angry with the world or the reverse. The guy that is usually real strong personality and all of a sudden becomes quieter and quieter. Uh, unfortunately, dementia and Alzheimer's and all these types of things, because they do affect the brain, affect the personality, they affect their ability to remember, they affect them sometimes with visual changes. Um, seeing an old friend that's been gone for a long time, seeing an animal. Uh, one of my veterans suffered with the issue of all of a sudden he described to a family member the raccoon sitting in the corner. So... Those types of things should trigger the thought, okay, is this, in fact, dementia, Alzheimer's, or any of that type of stuff? Or is it perhaps a medication issue? Either way, you need the medical professionals 
to look over things like medicines and stuff. That may just be the simple change that's needed, but there may be more to it. Can you explain to our audience a little bit about the story you told me of uh, how Parkinson's can affect or be, I can't, I I guess, connected to dementia? Because you don't know what's affecting the dementia or why, correct? Yes. A lot of neurological disorders like Parkinson's, which can be from the toxic water on Camp Lejeune, it can be Agent Orange related, chemical exposures and stuff like that, that cause neurological disorders. Being neurological, it's going to affect things like vision and things like that. So my particular veteran that I was thinking of, he was on a family trip and mentioned to one family member, the raccoon in the in the corner, another family member experienced all of a sudden uh, great anger that was unaccounted for. And another family member was in a vehicle with him and his driving became erratic. So they finally took him to the doctors, took him to the emergency room and they said, okay, you know, has he had a stroke? What's going on? And they kept him and they did their exams and all that stuff. And they said, no, this is dementia. Well, they called me and said, what do we do? Is there any services for him in the VA? And I said, certainly get him into his primary right away and get the tests done, see what's going on. And in the end, what it turned out to be was Parkinson's. And because he was an Agent Orange guy, the Parkinson's was service-connected, and therefore the Parkinson's dementia was service-connected. So he will receive all of his care and eventually nursing home care when that becomes necessary, and it'll all be free to him. It sounds as though what you're saying, and correct me if I'm wrong, that dementia doesn't just happen on its own. It can be very much connected to something else, or can it happen on its own? Well, a lot of times people will will develop dementia. And again, it can be triggered by chemicals, exposures and things like that. Sometimes it's a family trait. But the VA, when it comes to things like that, if you've been exposed to those chemicals that are known, those carcinogens and other toxins that are known to be triggers for it or to create the issue of um, calcification in the brain, the brain almost sometimes becomes sponge-like in that it starts getting neural tubular paths and stuff through it. So that has to be decided by the doctor as to whether it's dementia itself or whether it's Alzheimer's, you know, what are the physical changes going on inside the brain and things like that, because they do present very similar, but are treated very differently as far as chemicals and and ability to hold off the disease, the development of it. Right. So let's switch gears a little bit and talk about the caregiver. So a lot of times we talk about the service-connected or disabled veteran, but we don't think about the caregivers that are taking care of them. What's available to caretakers? Caretakers have all sorts of options within the VA, and they need to work with the caregiver support teams. Those have groups, sometimes locally, sometimes via um, internet or you know virtual type groups 
that can get together and talk to each other about their experiences, what they did to perhaps reach their veteran when he's in a state where he may not recognize people that he's known all of his life. Um, just be there to support each other. They can also get professional advice from the VA on whatever the root cause is and what the progression of that disease is going to be like and signs to look for and how to get to the point where you realize that, okay, I can't do the home support anymore, that this person really needs to have 24-hour care care that I may not be able to provide. Now, the VA will provide some professional in-home care, but that's very limited because, unfortunately, they just don't have the funds. Now, if it's service-connected, there's more hours available, of course. And if it's service-related, like my veteran that I just described, when he gets to the point that he's no longer able to stay at home, he will be given free nursing home care from the VA because it's due to his military service. And if it's service-connected, the person that's at home, whether it's a nephew, whether it's a spouse, there's a caregiver stipend that can be paid for that care. Because after all, it's a lot cheaper than spending $10,000 to put them in a nursing home. So the VA is spending a little bit per month keeping them at home. They're providing some services. If that spouse, say, needed to go out of town for a family wedding or funeral or something of that nature, then there's respite care. That veteran goes into a nursing home for three, four days. And that way the family member or respite care in the in the position where someone the VA contracts comes into the home and stays with them for four hours while the spouse goes off and does the grocery shopping and things like that. Is there such a thing as you have combat veteran or disabled veteran and they've already been to the VA? but they have dementia that is not affiliated with their injuries. What happens in that instance? Well, the families can take advantage of the same types of programs. About the only thing they're not eligible for, if it's not related to service, is the nursing home and the stipend. Mm. Now, oftentimes what will happen with a service-related veteran, especially a combat veteran, they may be suffering dementia, but they're also no longer able to take care of themselves as far as getting in and out of the shower safely. Um, they forget, you know, to match socks or are having difficulty operating things like zippers and whatnot, and they're needing help getting their pressure socks on, say. Well, because their pressure socks might be related to a heart condition that's service-connected, and they're, they're needing help with those things based on the fact that they have to wear pressure socks, then that could be qualification for aid and attendance. So that could be an added benefit, which is kind of like getting a stipend for your caregiver in that it adds a little more income to the household. So it doesn't necessarily have to be the direct relationship to the dementia itself, which may not be related to service, but it could be other things that are causing you to need the care that are service connected. 
So now you can receive the aid and attendance stipend as opposed to the caregiver stipend. So that's where a good, accredited, trained, qualified, free veteran service officer comes into play. As one myself for 11 and a half years, you have to look for the other things that may come into play. And they're going to sit down and go through those things. And it's like knowing that retinopathy is a side effect of, of diabetes too, because it may be service-connected. Knowing all those little tentacles that can come off of the need for care. And it's funny because, well, it's not funny, but if you go in and you don't have the right VSO to, or even the doctor, I mean, it's hard for me to imagine that, that this could happen, but they could be misdiagnosed or, you know, some something is wrong, but they say, no, it's not service-connected. And you don't know what could be service-connected. So in, in an instance where if I have, you know, this, this same instance that we're talking about, and I go in, you know, with my father, and he's a disabled veteran, and maybe he has retinopathy, and that's connected to the diabetes and I kind of, you know, I like to do research. So sometimes I look up stuff just to get kind of an inkling of, of what's going on. What are the, re, what kind of recourse do I have? Like if I'm not happy with the one person I'm talking to, is there someone else that I can speak to about it? Oh, as far as their actual primary care or the auxiliary services? Auxiliary services. Yes. Inside the VA, there's a veteran's advocate. And that advocate's office is to help you find the proper care and or services for your veteran. And so they can advocate for you to get a person, even if you need to change doctors. So you have a primary that you don't feel is really doing a great job. Remember, 10% of everybody graduated the bottom of their class <laughs> in every career field, so not just the doctors, but those are the people that will advocate for that. They will advocate for, you know, my dad doesn't tell his doctor, but he has a great difficulty lifting his feet high enough to get up on the next step going upstairs. And he has tumbled a couple times, you know, fallen down onto the steps, right. but not great falls. Oh, well, maybe it's time to start looking at, if it's service-connected, do we need to put one of those chairs that goes up the wall? Right. They'll provide that for you. If it's not service-connected, but maybe it's the step, a single-story house, and you need that extra half-step to go from the garage into the house, we'll get that half-step thing platform from the um, prosthetics department. Right. So they'll help you with those kind of extra little services that you need, but they'll also help set up when they do get to the point of needing in-home care services. What's available in your area? Do they have a contract with someone in your hometown? After all, they have contracts locally to their clinic, but if your home is 45 minutes away, oh, we need to find somebody that we can contract with in your small town USA. 
to provide that service? Or do you now need transportation back and forth to doctor appointments? Mm -hmm. Need dialysis. Okay, that advocate is going to help set up the dialysis right there in your hometown rather than you driving 45 minutes every day one way to come and do dialysis at a local clinic by the by your clinic. Right. Well, if we're going to pay for it right next door to our clinic, why don't we pay for it in your hometown? Right. So let me come at it a different way. If I am taking care of my service-disabled father, I am not service-connected. Do I have any recourse at the VA? What's available to me if I'm not a veteran, I'm not a spouse, but I am the daughter and I'm taking care of my disabled dad who is a veteran, but I have no service connection? Well, it wouldn't matter if you had the service connection if you're taking care of him. Is he service connected? Is his service connection what's causing him to need the care? Or is he needing care for other things that aren't service connected? He was in an automobile accident. If it's a temporary care need, the VA may be able to provide some of those hours. If it is adaptive equipment he needs on a temporary basis, um, you know, they may not be able to put in the, although you may be able to qualify for a grant, a smaller grant to put in that chair, but it's a painful process to go through to get those grants. (laughs) That's another reason you want to work with the VSO. But if it's the VA and if it's a service connected thing, the VA will pay for that lift chair to go into the house. If it's, you know, he's going to be in a wheelchair or one of those goofy scooters when you shatter your ankle and you have to ride on those knee scooters, the VA will provide that. You need a chair to go in the shower. The VA will provide that. doesn't matter if it's service connected or not. not? This is safety. This is health care, just as it would be on the outside world. So all the services you can get on the outside, you can get on the inside. So I guess the place to start is finding out who your VSO is in your area. Place to start because 32 states have county paid employees. So all the services they provide are free. Some, you know, if you want a paper copy of your 200 page claim file may charge you for that ream of paper, (laughs) but they charge you for the services they provide. Right. So, they will help you and they have all the telephone numbers. They can say, oh, I know Amy at the clinic. She's the patient advocate. She's the person we need to call. This is her extension number. Let's give her a quick call. See if you can set up an appointment for next week or, you know, things like that. So they know who to get the help from. And that's so good to know because I know that if you're not service connected or have any affiliation with the service, you can feel like you're kind of out there, like you don't know what you don't know, and you don't know where to go to get that information. So, yeah. Jane, thank you so much for clarifying this. See, I told y'all she knows all of this stuff. <laughs> That's why we keep doing this until she's going to say, I have no more information to give you. I don't even think that's possible, Jane. <laughs> no, nope, they're always changing the rules. So if your veteran was Blue Water Navy, they just brought that one in a couple of years ago. Uh, they served off the coasts of Vietnam, certain Air Force bases in Thailand and stuff like that. 
even if your veteran's already passed, it's a time to sit down and see, is that surviving family entitled to benefits? I mentioned county veteran service officers. So I always tell people when they're looking for their veteran service officer who's accredited, call your county government, call your state government, call the posts for the VFW, the American Legion and all that stuff in your area, because they will know who those people are. A good VFO is going to their meetings at least once a year and saying, here I am, here's my phone number, here's the information you need, what changed last year? And it's nice to have a name and a number, not just calling and not having any information. Well, Jane, thank you again for this pertinent information. All of this is important because you never know when you're going to be in this situation. For all the listeners, if you're one of those people that we're talking about and you find yourself in this situation, please reach out to your local VSO. Find out what's available to you as the caregiver and especially to the veteran that you are giving the care to. So as always, please stay safe, take care of each other until next time. And it's never too late to start your impossible.